All right, so welcome everyone. Good morning, happy Sunday. Of course, it is me, Victoria Baxter here of Reach Online Church. I'm a Christian life coach with newthinglifecoaching.com. I'm also a minister, speaker, and author here with the JAL Ministry. You can learn more at www.thejalministry.com forward slash reach. And of course, while you're there, you can connect, subscribe, uh, read the blog, do some shopping, many different things. And right now here in Reach Online Church, we are actually in the middle of a series or we're finishing off this series based off of Ephesians 6. We've been looking at Ephesians 6, 12 through 13, specifically the King James Version, where it says, For we wrestle not against flesh, flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wicked, wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So talking about polishing the armor, because at the end of the day, we cannot afford to be rusty. We cannot afford to just have our armor over there on the side when we have an enemy who was out to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy, it says that he is prowling like a lion looking for someone to devour. And yeah, we can talk about the things that are going on in the world today, but just in general, like in our everyday lives, this is something that we are instructed to do and something that we are instructed to put on and something that we are instructed to be aware of. Wearing our armor is so important because as the word says, there are dark, evil and unseen forces, right? Things that we can't even see based on the naked eye, things that we might not even be able to detect, but they are out there and they are actively, you know, throwing darts and doing these things. So I want to continue on in this series and just talking about some of our thoughts, because a lot of times we'd be amazed at how our thoughts can contribute to the life that we live. Our thoughts can contribute to whether or not we are living righteously, whether we are in right standing with God, our thoughts are in so much more control than we even realize. So we're definitely going to finish off talking about that today. Now that we've gone through, you know, supported faith and walking with peace and all of these different things and walking with your sword, walking with your weapon. Let's finish off talking about thoughts, shall we? Let's say a prayer and then hop on in. Make sure you got those Bibles out. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for another day that you have allowed us to see and to be here in your presence, Lord God. We just want to give you all honor, all praise during this time. We just want to say thank you for who you are, who you've been, and we know that we've seen probably nothing yet, even when it comes to your glory. You continue to reveal yourself to us in many different ways. And Lord God, we just, we praise you and we thank you for it. Over these next few moments, of course, I pray that you would decrease me and increase you, Lord. This moment is all about you. It's all about your kingdom, Lord God. So I just pray that you would open my heart and open my ears to hear from you during this time, as well as the heart and ears and minds of everyone who is listening to this message right now. May we walk away differently and with different thoughts that are flooding our minds on a day-to-day -day basis as we are more mindful of remembering to put on the full armor. Lord, this is my prayer in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me be honest and say that God has been working on me a bit lately. Um, and I will say specifically, he's been working on me in two different areas. I just feel like I've just been in such a, a very weird, interesting season over like the past month, perhaps. And I feel like, of course, a lot of times, you know, when there are certain things, you know, like Jesus talks about pruning season, there are times that he realizes that there are things that need to be cut away. There are things that need to be snipped, cut, 
things that we need to get rid of in order for us to truly be ourselves, our, you know, be the best version of ourselves as we strive to live for him. And it's like the deeper that we go with him and the deeper that we want to go with him is when he'll start to reveal certain things like, hey, you've been doing great. I need you to work on this. And he'll kind of bring things to our mind, especially for those of, you know, who, those of you, if you're anything like me, where it's like, hey, God revealed me to me. Help me be a better person. Show me anything in me that is displeasing to you. And that's something that I pray and say a lot. So one thing has been character. I've been talking about character a lot, even with the single women's ministry, even with doing like dating coaching and stuff like that, telling women like we need to be mindful of our character. And we also need to start paying attention to the characters of some of these men, right? Because yeah, a lot of things can make you feel cute when you're out there dating, but at the end of the day, that, that cuteness is going to wear off when there are trials and struggles that end up coming 10 years into your marriage. The character is what is going to get you through those hard times. The character is what is going to, you know, pray with you and protect you and ensure you that everything is going to be okay. Character is what says a lot. So we know that our personality is a lot of who we are when we are around others. Like others can describe our personality for us. And yeah, maybe we can even describe our personality as well because we know who we are when we are around other people. Character is who you are when no one is looking. Your character is who you are when no one knows what's going on, what you might be doing, what you might be thinking, what you might be working on and what you might be saying. Some of you talk to yourself, I do too. So of course, a lot of times, our character is not known sometimes to others. Now, of course, if you're someone you're, you, you have no reason to pretend or whatever else, then you can always a lot of times use wisdom and discernment to detect the characters of others. But God has been speaking to me about my character and showing me like, yeah, there are some things that I want you to work on that maybe others don't know. Maybe some things that have been going on inside of you know, your heart and, and, and your mind and some of the things that you've been pondering on and thinking about and things like that. So character he's been working with me on. And then also heart. We have to understand that the heart and especially, you know, biblically speaking, the heart is thought to be the seat of emotions. And when it, and anytime the Bible mentions heart, they are talking about mind, emotions, and will. All three of those things go together when talking about heart. And what happens is that sometimes, uh, well, not sometimes, but our heart is also what determines what decisions we end up making. Decisions are made, you know, here, you know, of course, that end up determining our character. They all come from the heart. And there is something that reveals a lot. There is something that reveals a lot um, of our character it reveals a lot of our heart. And that would be our thoughts. Like, have you ever sat down and just really thought about, like just taking an inventory of your thoughts? Not your prayers, not your conversations, not those things that you're reminding yourself to speak over and affirm, you know, every single day. But the things that you're just sitting there when you see somebody walk by, when you see something on TV, when you hear a story about something, when you read something on the, um, you know, on social media, when you hear about something on the news, when there's breaking news and 
maybe in, in one of your personal relationships, a business relationship, whatever, have you taken the time to do an inventory of your thoughts? God has been convicting me on my thoughts. Even if it's nothing I'd never even say out loud. And yeah, there are times where it's like, like what, what's going on with your heart that that was even a thought? And so some of the thoughts, they aren't that good, but yet and still they come from the heart. Now, of course, I don't want you looking at me crazy. It's nothing like evil where I'm like, oh my God, I just really wish that person would die. Like, it's nothing like that. I'm not like plotting to do anything crazy, but there are times that it might not be godly. There might be times that the things that I'm thinking are things that do not show my faith. They don't show my trust in him. They don't show that I believe in him. Sometimes it does not show that I walk with him. Now, personality wise, I might make sure on the outside, it's like, oh, you got to be mindful. What are people going to think about your character? But then it's like, what is going on inside of the heart? And right now, this has been my pruning season in many different ways. And I've not always been positive regarding my situation and some of the situations that I've been facing. There have been worry and stress, which like David, a lot of times it sends me into the arms of God and it sends me into the presence of God. But sometimes what it's been, and it's been more begging and pleading with God instead of just trusting and asking God for certain things. So we're in this series and today I want to talk about righteous thoughts. Because there are two pieces that we have not explored yet, especially when it comes to um, the full armor of God. And let's first start off with the breastplate of righteousness, okay? Look at Ephesians 6.14. Ephesians 6.14, it says, Stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So it says we get to stand firm. We have the belt of truth buckled around the waist. And then we also have the breastplate of righteousness. So the breast is thought of as the place of the soul, like in this area. Okay. And there is a difference between soul and spirit. I know some people don't realize that, but there's absolutely a difference between your soul and spirit. Soul is like the lower part. Spirit is what makes you you. Spirit is the how you are you. You know, we talk about how you can have a spirit of envy, a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of whatever, a joyful spirit. There are all of these different things when it comes to spirit. So there is a difference between soul and spirit. You can have, you know, a soul tie with someone. Someone can be your soul mate. You're supposed to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. But there are things that are also tied to our spirit. And the heart has to be kept pure and righteous. Why? Because we know that sin will end up giving a foothold to the enemy. So the breastplate of righteousness, it's important because righteousness is right standing with God. Righteousness is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. Now, when you take it back and as you think about the full armor of God, um, you know, when you start thinking about it from that aspect and in that direction, what you have to understand is actually not even, I say the armor, but 
body pieces that we end up putting on while in battle well, that we don't really actually put on but when you think about the armor there were actual body pieces that they would end up putting on like while in battle and those things were meant to protect certain areas they were meant to cover and do certain things and now the breastplate is like a piece of riding equipment that a lot of times because of course and even then like in battles like and people rode on horses but even them themselves of course yeah they kept on the breastplate but the breastplate is also a piece of riding equipment that is used on horses. And what it does is its purpose is to keep the saddle or the harness from sliding and going back. And even though it's not talking about the breastplate that we wear, when I was even studying to look at, you know, purposes of the breastplate in general, I find it very interesting that it says the breastplate is in, is in place to keep something from sliding back. And that is a very good reminder for us, even when it comes to this message, because sometimes you can be tempted to go back to who you were, back to the things that you used to do, back to the things that you used to believe, back to whoever you were and whatever you had going on, BC, before Christ, right? Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, once you are in Christ, you are a new creation. So you want to protect that righteousness. You want to make sure you keep that righteousness because that is being honest, being good, being humble, and being fair to others. Righteousness means standing up for those who are weak, standing up for those who cannot defend themselves. Again, it is all about right standing with God. It is about being morally right. It is about being justifiable. And now let's think about the helmet of salvation because a helmet does what? We know that it protects the head, right? And we have the skull, that protects the brain. And then of course we know the brain is what? The brain is where your thoughts are formed. That is where thoughts are developed. The things that start running through your mind that sometimes end up becoming your words, they all start with your thoughts. So you wear a helmet even for certain activities, you know, in horseback riding, riding a motorcycle, whatever, you wear a helmet for certain activities that have the potential to bring harm to your head. This all ties in together. We don't know what we are going to encounter day to day. We don't know what news we may end up getting. We don't know who might cut us off in traffic. We don't know, um, you know, what the doctor is going to say. You don't know about losing a job. You don't know about an argument. You don't know anything. You don't know who's going to tell you something or do something that can ultimately affect the way that you think. This is why and again, some things are strategically put in place and put in motion by the enemy. This is why we have to put on the full armor of God every day. And it's like, this is Christian 101, right? Christianity 101. Yet it's things that we don't always think about. It's things that we don't always consider. And when you are assured of who you are in Christ, you have a mighty defense that is in place for you. One that is in place against doubt, against insecurity, against inadequacy, and in all of that it can and all of that it can end up leading to if you are not careful when it comes to protecting your thoughts. So the helmet serves the purpose of protecting what it is you already have. There are many things that God has already given to you. He's given you sound mind. He's given you salvation. He has given you faith, says I am the author and the finisher of that faith. That means even when your faith is low, you can simply ask for more. 
There are all of these things that God has already given you. He has given you peace. He has given you assurance. He has already told you, like, you are a co-heir with Christ. We have all of these things. And a helmet protects those things. And in this case, you have right standing. And that comes with what you also think. Because thoughts become words that become actions. Now, why are these so important? Why are these so necessary as parts of the full armor of God? Look at Jeremiah 1.5, and I just want to look at 1.5a. Jeremiah 1.5a. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Just stop right there. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That goes for Jeremiah because he goes on to say, you know, I, I anointed you as a prophet. That's cool. But this goes for everyone. Jeremiah is not the only person that God knew who was formed in the womb. Like, you know, he's not the only person that God is like, hey, before you were even there, I already knew who you were going to be. He knows all of us. He knew us ahead of time. You are you have been predetermined that you were going to exist. It was predestined that you were going to live. You have also been considered for many different things good and bad we got to keep in mind the enemy we we knew we he knew we'd be considered by the enemy as well yeah just like job have you considered my servant job god knew all of these things but what god also knew was that there would be attacks and battles and if not fully covered then we would end up having issues god knew that there would be times that i would doubt and question him after my mother died. God knew that you would struggle with tithing when your finances got lower. He knew that you'd question if you married the wrong person or if you divorced too early. He knew that you'd consider going back to the way you were before when you were young and free. God knows us better than we know ourselves. But the thing that God also knows is that he knows our enemy. He knows what the enemy does. He knows the attacks would happen. He knew that weariness would come. He knew that doubt would sprout and that weak moments would arise. There is a reason that Paul instructs us to put on the full armor every day. Every day. And as we broke down the full armor of God during this series, I wanted to examine what each piece means and how we can apply it to our daily which means everyday lives. Righteous thoughts. Because let's be real, if our thoughts were the deciding factor of getting into heaven, would we all make it? And truthfully, it's something to still question and be aware of. Jeremiah 17, 10 says, For I, the Lord your God, I search and examine the heart, the place that is responsible for the mind, thoughts, will, emotions, everything. He says, I search and examine all of those things. And I reward each person based off of what they deserve, not desire. Thoughts come from the heart. So how can we change our thoughts as believers? How can we decide that change is in order so that we do the right thing, think the right thing, and have the right attitude? The breastplate of righteousness is what's needed, right? And righteousness is something that we are told to seek first, along with God, 
and all of it. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. That's what Matthew 6.33 is all about. But there's more. Oh, but wait, there's more. Look at Proverbs 21.21. 21. Proverbs 21.21. 21. And it says, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Hmm. I think that's pretty deep. Maybe that's just me. Look at 1 Timothy 6.11. Why, why didn't I have that tagged? That's bothering me. 1 Timothy 6.11. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Repeatedly being told that righteousness is something that we need to pursue. Why would we need to pursue something? Because again, it's like, oh, but God gives us all of these great things. Yeah, God said you have right standing, but I need you to pursue righteousness. I need to see that you are actively going after, you know, when you think about like a husband and wife and they get married and then some people think, oh, works now. I don't have to do anything. No, you have to continue to make sure that person knows that they are appreciated, that they are validated, that they are loved, that they're accepted, that they are wanted, that you're serious about them, that you're thinking about them. You have to continue to date your spouse, do cute little things so that a relationship does not go stale, right? So yeah, God is like, I gave you right standing, but guess what? I need you to pursue righteousness. How do we pursue this righteousness that is so evidently needed? It's the standard, right? First and foremost, you have to be intentional about it. It's, it's looking in the scriptures of the book and saying, okay, well, what is righteousness? Why is it important? Because that right there will kind of like, okay, well, what, what should I do about pursuing it? Then you get to seeking God and seeking his presence. Again, going back to Matthew 6, seek him first. The more that you seek him, it is going to cause you to live righteously. It's going to change the way that you live. Because when you read the Bible and you spend time in prayer and worship and praising him, it changes you. If you ever leave a praise session the same that you came in, then you were not even intentional in where you were at that time. Your mind was elsewhere. Or, you know, some people is like, oh, it's like, let's read this devotion. Oh, that was good. Let me put that on Facebook. You can't even stay present in the moment. You have to seek him and his presence. And then it's seeking and using wisdom. Seeking and using wisdom are very important as well because it's like, okay, righteousness, right standing, doing the right thing, morally right, justifiable. Righteousness is a big deal to God. Using wisdom. You're like, well, I don't, I don't have wisdom. Ask for it. James 1.5. And then not stifling the Holy Spirit, not restricting the Holy Spirit. I did that series, The Gift That Keeps On Giving. God so loved the world that he gave us his son. He gifted us something. And then Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be with the Father, but I'm giving you something else. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes with all of these different things where it's like, uh, you know, advocate and, and comforter and paraclete, like all of these different things that the Holy Spirit does. It's like the gift that keeps on giving that just stays with us. 
And the Holy Spirit is out to do all of these different things. And sometimes we stop the Holy Spirit who is trying to help us to live righteously, but we stifle him and we allow our flesh to get in the way. Oh, it's not really that big of a deal. I'll start next week. Oh, but I really want to do this. Don't stifle because the Holy Spirit will convict, produce the fruit that God says is good. All of these things. And then now outside of just the righteousness, we also need the helmet of salvation, right? That's needed because salvation is how we even have a relationship with God through the son. And it's knowing and understanding relationships take work. They take time. They take energy. They take effort. Relationships are an investment. Relationships are a sacrifice. Relationships is saying I am moving towards one thing or person and away from something else. I know if I'm going to be serious about this, I can't also be serious about that. Because this could potentially interfere with my relationship. And I don't want to take any chances. Your relationship with God has to be evident in your works. It has to be evident in your works. Now, no, not as in you earning anything. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Do I have that tag? Do I have anything tagged? Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So our salvation and us being saved is by grace, not works. But is it evident that you have a relationship with God? Is it evident to others? Is it evident in your personality? Is it evident in your character? Is it evident in your heart that you have a relationship with God? <clears throat> You have righteous thoughts when you encircle yourself with who God is. I need you to put on the full armor of God every day. Every day. You need to have righteousness that is evident, even based on what you think, because your thinking leads to words and then that leads to fulfillment. I know today everybody is all about manifestation, right? New age stuff, manifestation. But guess what? It's basically... A lot of what they're doing is just replacing God with the universe and then replacing scripture and prayer to God with manifesting and declaring. So it's like it's like you're still trying to rob Christianity. You're just trying to cheapen it and doing it the shortcut. But we know what happens when you, yeah, you get what you pay for, right? These pieces of the armor are so important. And when thoughts arise, it's what can shake our faith. It's what can have us going into a different direction. It's what can have us making flesh moves. It's what can lead us to not pray and to not watch where we walk, all because of our thoughts. Man, it's like battlefield of the mind, right? But let me tell you what I love. I love 2 Corinthians 10, 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. I use this scripture a lot, especially with life coaching and dating coaching and people, you know, just the things that... A lot of people think about that plague them and whatever else. I'm like, mm -mm. you got a mindset issue. Let's work on that. Second Corinthians 10, 5, <coughs> excuse me, says we demolish, <clears throat> we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What does this mean? It's taking your thoughts captive it simply means gaining control over what you think about yourself, over what you think about life. It means literally taking every thought that comes to mind and evaluating it, 
saying, hmm, does this measure with the word of God? Will this draw me away from God? Will it show who I believe in? Will it make the enemy rejoice or tremble? Does it elevate the kingdom? And what you have to realize is that when negative thoughts come, if it's negative, whatever the thoughts are, if it's a negative thought, then you have to take it captive. It's saying, I'm taking you hostage. You can't go anywhere. I'm not going to just let you go because you might come back. But I need to figure, I need to hold on to this thought. I need to figure out where it came from. And then it's saying, nah, this has to be replaced with the truth. Taking those thoughts captive and making them obedient to who you know God is. We talked about the belt of truth in one of the last messages. All the pieces work together. All of the pieces of the armor work together. Now, how do you take thoughts captive? I'm glad you asked. I will give you five reasons or five things to do on taking thoughts captive. And then we're going to go. Number one, acknowledge. How do you take thoughts captive? One, you acknowledge. Look at Psalm 73, 17. Psalm 73, 17. I didn't have that tagged because I was actually, I wanted to look at the NLT. It says, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Acknowledging is when you're understanding something's going on, something's taking place. There's some, you know, I, I kind of stepped into your sanctuary. I stepped into your presence. I kind of went into it and I'm realizing there's some wicked, there's some evil, there's some negativity. Something is not right here. It's acknowledging that first and foremost. Acknowledging is when you're understanding that something isn't right. And then change is number two. You have to change your mind, not just your behavior. Your thoughts come from the mind. Romans 12, 2. Do I have that tagged? Surely I do. I probably have, I keep this one tagged. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you have to change, change is in order. And then three, think. Take time to literally think about your thoughts. Take an inventory. What are you thinking about? Identify these things so that you can correct them. And here's the big one. Number four, you have to confess. You have to confess. Because God knows anyway. He already knows what you're thinking, what you're doing, what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. Like he already knows all of these things. But confession is on another level because now you're admitting that you're out of order. Now it's saying, hey, I know this was not right. So I'm going to take this to God because he's the person who is not going to judge me and he's the person who can also help me. So it's confessing those things to God and then focus. Focus on what? I will tell you, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. All you have to do to take captive your thoughts. Because we need righteous thoughts. Acknowledge. Change. Think. Confess and focus. As a believer, righteous thoughts are the standard. They are the goal. And you don't want anything getting in the way of you meditating on him, his goodness, 
and his plans. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I want to say thank you. Um, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your faithfulness, Lord God. I pray that you continue to speak to each and every one of us over the next few moments um, and even over the next couple of days to come, Lord God, so we can be more mindful of our thoughts and ensuring that we are thinking in ways that are pointing back to you at the end of the day. Lord, this is my prayer for each and every person under the sound of my voice, myself included. Lord, we want to say thank you for your love, your joy, your, your patience. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and mercy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, God bless you all. I pray that you all have a fantastic Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day. I will see you all tomorrow. Well, podcast will be tomorrow for Mountain Moving Monday. Um, again, you can connect with this ministry at www.thejalministry.com forward slash reach. While you are there, you can connect. So you can obtain the Polishing the Armor ebook. So many different things that you are able to do there um, if you'd like. But y'all be blessed and I'll talk to y'all later. Bye.